Wisconsin's Afternoon News is on the air. Today's broadcast is sponsored by Elkhart Lakes Road America. Broadcasting live from the 2023 Greater Milwaukee International Car and Truck Show at the Wisconsin Center. Here's John McCure. The team is here. Sandy Max is here. So is Debbie Lazga, Greg Matzik at spring training. John Tyler is engineering the show. Adam Roberts producing the show from back in the studio. This is awesome. Look, we're here. Shiny cars everywhere. Oh. And I've decided not only do I like the smell of new cars, there are some vintage cars. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a 1972 Pantera that we are just across from. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It smells older cars smell good, too. This is your deal. Yeah, it is. This is pretty cool. It's shiny. Show. It's fun. And Kurt is here at the... WTMJ booth with goodies to give away if you stop yeah. by. Come yeah. say hi to Kurt. He'd be happy if you came Devin. and smiled. Devin. 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 Sorry. Devin. Called him. Who's Kurt? <laughs> I know. I don't know who Kurt Devin is. Devin is here. Middle name Devin is, is here. Kurt. Devin, Devin Kurt. Kurt. Devin Kurt from WTMJ. I'm sorry, Devin. <laughs> give me credit where credit's due, but he's ready with uh, giveaways and goodie bags, so yeah. stop by and see us at the Milwaukee International Auto Show, broadcasting live today and tomorrow. All right. What are we tracking today? This is the three. At 3 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. What's first, Sandy? Last night, many of us across southeastern Wisconsin saw some bright spots in the sky. Several people mistook these natural bright spots in the night sky for UFOs. TMJ4 Chief Meteorologist Brian Nisnansky explains what we saw last night. I must say, if you weren't looking for it and you just happened to look up and see it, it did look kind of eerie the way they were positioned in a parallel form. But again, it was a conjunction of Jupiter and Venus. They looked close together in the sky, but really they were over 400 million miles apart. And Deb, they have no meteorological or astronomical significance. It's just how they ended up. It's just how they ended up from our vantage point where we see Venus and Jupiter. It's just, you can't, I mean, they look like they're about to kiss. They do. They have a (laughs) cosmic conjunction. (laughs) Is that what they're calling it? I think I I heard Mark Baden or somebody say that. All right, what's the second thing? Japan has recounted the number of islands that make up the nation and made a pretty remarkable discovery. So this is amazing. They thought that there were like 6,800 islands in their empire. It ends up there are 14,000 they recounted. Now this is what constitutes an island. Anything with a land circumference of at least 330 feet, they're calling an island. So that's the size of the football field. If you're the size of a football field, you're declared an island. It doesn't change their empire at all because it's all still within their little sphere. But they went from 6,800 to 14,000. <laughs> Big change. <laughs> Twice as much? Yeah. Good for them. If you like islands, head to Japan. <laughs> and what's the third thing? The Royal Watch. Prince Harry and wife Meghan Markle have been told to vacate a gift given to them by the late Queen Elizabeth II. So here's what's happening here. So Harry and Meghan did the Netflix series. They wrote the book that got published that just skewered the royal family. And now the royal family has decided, you don't want to be here, you're not going to be here. And despite the fact, as you mentioned, that this was a gift from Harry's deceased grandmother, the Queen, 
Prince Charles has decided that you're not getting the little cottage on the Windsor property anymore. We're taking it back. It's no longer yours. King Charles now. You're right. I Thank think he's you. got even more power. Oh, that's he that's like the that. habit. <laughs> so it's gone. It's not there. So it's was their official UK residence. Who knows when they'll be back there, but they were uh, for the Queen's Jubilee, and that's where they stayed. But now it's not theirs anymore. Well, not only is it taken away, isn't it? Uh, won't they have a new resident in Frogmore Cottage? Mm, yeah, it's Prince Andrew, who's mm. had his own issues. Yeah. So, so I think he's moving in. Just tucking him away in Windsor. Yep, that's what's happening. So that is the three and three from the Milwaukee Auto Show. We are broadcasting from the Milwaukee Auto Show, the Wisconsin Center. Come on down. This is so interesting because... Sandy is so excited to be here. <laughs> Debbie's in her element. There's cars everywhere. This is my gig. Deb, this is cool because we don't talk about cars that aren't moving. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, well, I mean, time. cars that aren't moving that are not on the road. Right. <laughs> right. So they these are, are good to talk about. shined up and looking beautiful down They're here. Gorgeous. Because we do have several cars that have their hoods up, but it's so you can see inside. And, <laughs> and see those the engines engine. are pristine. Oh, they are gosh. clean. Yes. Look like they've never been run, don't exactly. they? Exactly. beautiful. I keep falling in love with this 1972 Pantera that's nearby, and as soon as we walked in, it said, turn the corner and you'll find British cars. So You're I, like, ooh, I must yeah, go. Yeah. A, a baby blue Triumph. Yep. There's some vintage cars, and of course, there are all the new cars that yeah, are Yeah, right on the other side of the yeah. wall. We're on the northeast part of the building, and behind us is where Porsche and that's Lexus. That's the luxury cars, and, mm-hmm. right? The and then upstairs. Nice upstairs. And I would say, this yeah. is just the first floor. Oh, my gosh. The second floor, yeah. it's got the McLarens. It's got a Lamborghini. It's got a Porsche nice. Boxster. Gorgeous. Oh. I think the, the paint scheme these days are the mats. It's not necessarily the shiny stuff, at least for the, the high-end, you know, Muscle cars now. It's amazing, too, because if you are looking for, you know, a Tahoe or a Chevy Malibu or, or whatever, those are here, too. So yep. you can come and you can shop. You can look around. And there's no pressure, which I love. There's not a salesperson here right. who's leaning on you and, can I help you? What do you think? I mean, you just look around and ask the questions that you want to ask, sit in the cars and have a good time. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. fun to be here for the first day. We're going to be back tomorrow broadcasting live as well. So if you can't stop by today, we're going to be here tomorrow. And we have a booth set up with some goodies that you can take away. And we also have the Road America schedule. They've got some fun action plan for the 2023 season. So stop by, say hello, pick up a Road America schedule and just soak in all the shiny chrome. Do you ladies remember your first car? Oh, yeah. Your first car. The old National Bank talking text line is 855-616-1620. If you want to share with us, shoot us a text. What was your first car and tell us what made it special? 855-616-1620. All right. First cars. Tell me about your first car. Deb, you're the traffic reporter. 1973 Cutlass Supreme. That thing was a boat. That's what I was going to say, a boat. And you could could steer it with your pinky finger. It was (laughs) glorious. And we got it from my uncle. So we ended up, you know, inheriting it from my uncle. Um, yeah, that was that was our first, and we wrote it what literally color was it? orange and black, Ooh. orange body, nice. black top, and then uh, we wrote it till literally ro- wore, rode the the wheels off of it. And we had a huge, there was a huge hole in the floorboard in the back seat. So my friends were like, wow. I would bring them to school. I'd take them to school, and we'd, the snow would be splashing up on them and stuff like that. They're, they're, you like, could Fred Flintstone break that thing. Stick your foot through yeah. slow the car down. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sandy, your first car. Car first car was a stick shift, and it was a beloved car. I wanted to learn to drive a stick so that way I could drive anything. Yes. Rather than just knowing how to drive an automatic. Uh, my dad was wonderful. 
and he got me a 1966 Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, oh that's awesome. That's her choice. Yeah, and it was that's just cool. a car. I think I think he got it so that way he could drive it too. <laughs> but it was really just a beloved part of our family, and it was named Emerson after the man who sold Aww. it to us. Oh, nice. Yeah, I can't drive stick. I never learned to drive stick. Really? And oh, I many times through the years wished that I had been able to, and I, I, I can't. I, ne- I never have. And now, of course, it terrifies me. There are many manual transmissions. That's okay. Right. There's, they're not anymore. But, man, when I learned how to drive, there were. I'm not sure why I never... The trick was always trying to find the clutch, the point yes. where the clutch The smoothness. Yeah, yeah exactly. you, you get to that. But I have to tell you, John, um, as much as I love my dad and always will, I still remember coming home to mom. Both of us, red-faced and in tears, and practically wanting to divorce each other. And we're like, I'm not ever going out with Dad again, because he would say, turn left now, now, now. And it was just a, it was a relatively traumatic experience. I need a warning, Dad. Yeah, they got me a driving teacher because they figured out the parental teaching was not going to go over well. You wanted to save the household. Yes, yes, My you did. first car, car was yeah. similar to Deb's. I had a, a 1977 Caprice Classic. Oh, you did? Yes. That thing was huge, yeah. and it was chocolate brown. And that thing, man, that what the police cruisers that, used to be? Um, yeah, some of them were. Okay. <laughs> and if you banged into that thing, boy, it would leave a mark. It was, I mean, it was humongous. It, but it wouldn't even fit in my garage that I have right now. I was just oh, saying, yeah. they're so wide. I remember laying down across a seat. You could go head to foot yes. across the entire Tuesday. front row. Yeah, yes. front row, front seat. Yeah, we had three boys growing up, and us three boys could all sit comfortably in the back seat. <laughs> wow. Probably didn't wow. wear seat belts, but it was absolutely amazing. We're standing up. Yeah. Uh, Grego, Greg Matzik, what was your first car? Yeah, so my first ride was a 1985 red Toyota MR2 with a black spoiler. So this thing, it was a two-seater car. It had, it was a mid-engine car. So there was like a tub in the front that had enough room for like a spare tire. Uh, it, it was just, you barely fit a, you could barely fit a set of golf clubs in the trunk. Uh, I did, however, at one point put seven people in that car because of a high school house party that may or may not have been disrupted by the parents unexpectedly <laughs> returning. Oh, my God, that's a great story. Great escape vehicle. But, yeah, look at you. You started off all sporty. I, it was go through, too. Uh, I, loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Let's go through a bunch of these texts because uh, we're hearing from you. 855-616-1620 is the number from the 815, a Plymouth TC3 hatchback. I was so proud of that car, so dang proud because I paid for it myself. Aww. That's awesome. Kelly and Elkhorn, a Dodge Duster avocado green with a racing stripe, 1982. I literally thought I was cool. You I probably love, were cool in that car. Sure. I love this text from 608. Uh, 72 Plymouth Fury had 12 people in it at once and didn't even oh use gosh. the trunk. <laughs> wow. From the 262. A 67 Camaro Rally Sport candy apple red with black stripes, Ooh. had a hood scoop spoiler in the back. Oh my God, that sounds. Four one four. Remembering cool. their first car, a 1963 Rambler American. I saved all my dollars from little odd jobs and bought it from a family friend when I turned 16 for 175 dollars. What? It had been owned by an older man and it was in pristine condition. Uh, from Mike in Hartford, a 1972 Javelin, top speed 137 miles an hour. <laughs> That's insane. Oh, Sandy, listen to this one from the 262. My dad was also special, and he bought me a 1970 stick shift VW Beetle, and that car wasn't very special. Oh, <laughs> that's very sweet. That's very sweet. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ.
All right, so for those of you that are very attuned to the show, usually we do sports right here with Greg. Greg is actually at spring training all week, and Corbin Burns is speaking, so Matzik actually ran into the clubhouse to talk to Corbin Burns. So he will collect that audio. You'll hear it here. It's been fun having Greg out there all week at spring training. It's just been a real lot of fun to have him there collecting those stories. Greg is there today. He's there tomorrow as we continue to broadcast live from the Milwaukee Auto Show. Let's get you a little bit of flavor of spring training. The Brewers Clubhouse in Arizona. Now it's littered with new faces. One in particular is well-versed in all things Brewers. Here's Grego. Players hail from Mexico, the Dominican Republic, California, and Ozaki County. I, I grew up in Fredonia, just a real lot, small little town, and then um, I always played Little League and stuff like that. I always did well and you know, wanted to, wanted to do more, I guess. Meet Owen Miller, a proud Wisconsin native whose love for baseball grew while watching the Brewers of 2008 and 2011. 2011, I think, was probably my favorite year. Um, you know, I think that was, I mean, because I was, I think, a freshman in high school at the time. So, you know, it was like, the, you know, that's like prime, you know, watching watching baseball and being a Brewers fan. Yeah. So, yeah, I used to get so excited for spring training every year and, and, you know, see the new, you know, new, the new team and stuff like that. And, you know, I just, I loved going to games when I was little. My grandparents would take me to games. So, um, yeah, I, I, was, I grew up a big fan. Miller is a versatile infielder. No surprise that his favorite player growing up was Ricky Weeks. It's cool, man. The first day when I saw him here, I was like, Ricky, man. I'm like, I used to watch you just pump balls out of Miller Park. So I'm like, it's it's awesome that we get to work together now. So He had the craziest batting practice I think I've ever seen out of oh, a player. Absolutely. It was I mean, ridiculous. He was so strong. I mean, we, I was talking to him. Just I was like, man, I'm like, I remember, you know, your your batting stance and how you, you know, what you could do with your, you know, your hands and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, I love watching you play second base, too. And, um, yeah, man, it's just, you know, it's, it's cool just seeing those guys and seeing faces and then talking to guys like that, seeing Robin Young, seeing Euchre around here and stuff like that. So it's all just, you know, a dream come true and, um, you know, it's pretty special. Drafted by the Padres in the third round of the 2018 draft, Miller is part of a growing number of Wisconsin products realizing big league dreams. You know, I think when I was 12, my dad took me to a tryout down in Waukesha and I played for a team called the Wisconsin Rockhounds and we traveled all over the country and stuff like that at 12, 13, 14 and I loved it, had a blast. Uh, I remember going to Cooperstown when I was 12 and played in a tournament there and ever since then, uh, you know, I just kind of fell in love with the game and I was like, man, I was like, I think I could, you know, want to want to play in college and stuff like that and it is pretty special and it's good to see a lot of other guys from Wisconsin doing the same thing and, and working hard in the off seasons and stuff like that and kind of having that goal of like, hey, I could play in the big leagues someday, why not me? You know, um, so it's pretty special. And what would make things even sweeter? The idea of, uh, of Bob Buecher calling a, you know, an <laughs> Miller home run, right? Has that crossed your mind yet? It, it actually has not Wow, that, that would be pretty special, though. My, my grandma, she she was uh, she passed away two years ago, but she was the biggest. You know, she every time I went over to their house, she'd always have Bob Buecher on on the radio. So uh, I think she would be smiling up in heaven if, if she heard that one. With the Brewers in Arizona, Greg Matson, WTMJ Sports. What a great story. Miller played his first two big league seasons in Cleveland before joining the Brewers in the offseason. I love that Greg is out there bringing you the stories and the sights and sounds that you would otherwise just wouldn't have access to, we wouldn't have access to. Uh, more from Greg coming up as we head through the afternoon. We continue to broadcast live from the Milwaukee Auto Show. It's returned to the Wisconsin Center. New vehicles, test drives, electric vehicles, pre-production models, fun for the little ones. There's all sorts of stuff here. We are here today until 6 o'clock. We're here tomorrow until 6 o'clock as well, 3 to 6 tomorrow. Uh, Debbie's here. Sandy's here. We are on location this afternoon and tomorrow afternoon. Up next. I've been wanting to have this conversation. Debbie's going to help get you home. And then the executive editor of Kelly Blue Book leads the discussion on electric vehicles, 
what we still aren't ready for, why there are advantages, and what the future looks like. I mean the near future, because we're there now when it comes to electric vehicles. We're not no longer saying in 10 years or in 15 years. We will have that discussion straight ahead on WTMJ. I love this every year. We're broadcasting live from the Milwaukee Auto Show, where you can peruse the displays, check out the latest technologies. There are old cars. There are new cars. There are trucks. This is wonderful. Everything's sparkling here. Oh, it's so nice. And, you know, I think one of the reasons I like seeing all these shiny cars is we've had so much salt on our cars for so long. <laughs> this is a refreshing change. This is what they're supposed right. to look like. <laughs> right? yeah. Remember when you first buy it, and it's the only time it looks like these ones we're yeah, staring exactly. at here? <laughs> but you really appreciate the artistry and design, like just the curves and the lines and the shininess. Like This is a really fun place to be. Uh, the auto show through Sunday, but we are here live today and tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, so I just bought a new car um uh, twice recently i bought a new car <laughs> yeah <laughs> won't get into all that uh, but it was interesting because as i shopped for the car there were electric vehicles there that you could buy and there was a lot of display work about the electric vehicles that are coming our direction brian moody is the executive editor of the kelly blue book and i've been waiting to have this discussion with brian all day thanks for being with us brian yeah thanks for having me so many questions around electric vehicles. I, I guess when I think about them in general, what I think is it's no longer, wow, wait till we see what happens in 10 years. They are here, right? And most of the brands we know and individual models we know now either have an electric version or will very shortly. Yes, that's true. Most automakers have at least one electric car. And my opinion is that the car itself, the thing as a product, if the average American family were to drive one, I think they would really like it. So the car itself is usually quite good, but there's more to it than just the car. All right, I want to dive into a couple of things that I'm sure you hear all the time, and they are reasons that people are leery of getting an electric vehicle. Um, I take long road trips sometimes, and I like to stop and get gas and get right back on the road when I'm cranking on the beginning of those road trips. Will range improve? Will charging stations improve? How long will I have to wait if I stop to charge before I can drive again? Can you dive into that part of what people have concerns about? Yeah, I think there's a couple things to keep in mind with regard to electric cars. The first thing is the range is the real thing. Like if you buy a car that has a 250-mile range or a 300-mile range, it will go about that far. However, that range is a little bit less when you're on the highway. And to charge it back up, it's not going to be a five-minute stop. It might be a 30, 40, 50, 60, 70-minute stop. And that's it, assuming you can pull up right to the charger and start. You may have to wait before you can start charging. So it does take longer to charge the car up. Also, in very cold weather, so I was just in Milwaukee for the auto show. I was walking the same floor that you guys are sitting on, and it was 9 degrees one day. Well, electric cars and me have something in common. We both don't like that. And the <laughs> electric car will take longer to charge when that's the case. So those are things to keep in mind. That's a big deal. I mean, especially if you live in Milwaukee or Minneapolis or Chicago or Boston. Will that get better? Are they working on technology that will change that, or will that inherently just be what it is? Well, I think it's going to be what it is for a while. Uh, what I always tell people is that look at a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid as a way to bridge the gap between electric cars and gas-only cars. Those are the kinds of cars that you can use to see a plug-in, especially. Here's how I use it. Here's how it's going to work for me. 
And then if it doesn't work for you, still have a car that you can run on gas, and then, you know, you, you didn't risk much. But jumping right to an electric car for many people today is going to be a risk. We know that 80% of electric vehicle owners today, they charge their car up at home. I feel like a lot of people who are interested in electric vehicles still have some apprehension. Like you hear about the pickup. How fast is it really going to go? Am I just going to be like puttering along in the right lane or is it really a performance vehicle? Does it have ways, a ways to go before it's there or is that just a bad perception or an inaccurate perception? No, that's a bad perception. Yeah, that's an inaccurate perception because the cars like the Ford F-150 Lightning, which is sitting right there uh, near you guys, uh, that's very quick. And not only is it very quick, I'm not even like, say, a big pickup truck fan, nor am I. I'm neutral on electric cars. But I have to admit that that particular truck, the F-150 Lightning, is so well thought out, has so many thoughtful features and touches. It's it's really a spectacular vehicle. The issue comes if you're the kind of person who tows a lot. If you tow a lot, it's it's maybe not going to work out that well for you. But if you use your Ford pickup truck the way that you would use a Nissan Altima, which is to say go to the grocery store and drive to work, you're going to love it. Brian Moody's with us from Kelly Blue Book. Why are electric vehicles so much more expensive to buy? The battery is expensive. That's really the only reason. So the battery itself has technology, chemicals, and technology that is, it's just, it's not mainstream yet. So think about how cars work. You know how today when we get a new car, even the base model has power windows. And that's because they can amortize the cost of that across their whole vehicle line. Today, if you were to insist on getting a car with crank-up windows and assuming they could even make it, it would actually cost more because it would be one of the few that would do that. Automakers have to be able to apply their technology, their parts and pieces, to a bunch of cars across hundreds of thousands of vehicles in order to make it make economic sense for them. So not many are electric cars right now, and the technology is also expensive. So those two things combined mean the average electric car today is about $60,000. Hey, Brian, do you own an EV? No, but I tried to get one. I tried to get a plug-in hybrid, and I went down to the dealer. I even asked for favors from people that I knew who worked in the business. <laughs> By the time I got down there, I was looking at, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I, you know, I want to save money every way I can. And by the time I got down there, we were looking at a car payment for a normal period of time that was about $1,200 a month. I just don't think that's reasonable. So we ended up buying a used gasoline-powered car. So we've spent a lot of time talking about the drawbacks. Sell it to us if you're somebody who's in the business. What's great about owning an electric vehicle? No, No more visits to gas stations. Charging up at your home, assuming you have a way to do that. They're very quick. They're very quiet. They don't have to be bound by the design of yesteryear because there's no engine under the hood. You can have things like a frunk or extra storage space or a flat floor inside. You even get more techie features like, say, uh, lane departure correction or some gas and electric cars now have a self-driving ability. Uh, The Chevy pickup that's sitting there has Super Cruise. Uh, Ford has that. Nissan's Aria has On the freeway, it will steer itself and brake and gas for you. So there are a lot of advantages. The car itself is great. It's everything else that maybe isn't so great. 
Brian, I love all the information that you're giving us about electric vehicles because they're something I've truly been considering, and it doesn't sound like they're great for the hardy weather that we have here in the wintertime. You also said two things in the just now, frunk and yeah, what's, flop floor. Yeah. Did I hear that correctly? <laughs> and can you explain those to me? The flat floor is what I was saying is that like, so flat. in some cars you get in there and there's a big hump in the middle and it doesn't, it's ugly or whatever. The floor is flat. So a frunk, and you are allowed to sit on the radio, I checked, believe me, <laughs> that the, the frunk is basically a trunk in the front of the vehicle. So let's take that F-150 Lightning as an example. It has a hood in the front that functions like a trunk. It's power operated, so you can open and close it with your remote. It has a storage area with a drain plug, meaning you could use it like a, an ice chest or put muddy or dirty things yeah. in there, hunting or whatever. It has Beer. power outlets. It has it has beer. It has a grocery bag hooks. It has a lighting system. It has a ruler built in. It has little cup holders. Everything you can think of from storing cargo to tailgating. I don't know what we call it now. What do we call it if we're tailgating and the front of the car is open? Front That's gating. right. Front gating. Front, front, front gating. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Moody is the executive editor of Kelly Blue Book. This has been really good. Great information. Thanks for being with us. Sorry we missed you here at the auto show, Brian. Yeah, thank you for having me anytime. Happy to do it.